0: Hello and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode we have Netflix 156th film. It's from 2018. It's a psychological horror thriller called The Perfection. It's directed by Richard Shepard. It stars Allison Williams, Logan Browning, Stephen Webber and Alania Huffman. I am Jesse and I am joined as usual by MJ. Hello. How are you, mate? Good. How are you? Yes,
1: I'm very, very well. I, I cannot wait to talk about this movie. And we'll just literally talk about it off air. And we we're
0: worried that we we're going to start talking about it before. Let's just push record. Because so much <laughs> this this is your, uh, this is your type of cup. This is your cup of tea. This is, um, this is like, when I was watching, this is like, uh, this is, uh, this is the type of film that I know MJ will appreciate in somehow. Yeah,
1: yeah, there's definitely a bit of that. I I got to a point where I was talking to my wife about it yesterday because I just like, I just got ideas about this film. I just, I got to talk about it with someone who didn't even watch it. Um, So this
0: is the beauty of why we do this. Excellent. Lead us into your Fast Flicks, where you're going to tell us a quick summary of what it's all about. Yes, so
1: Fast Flicks for the perfection is a talented cello player reunites
0: with her old mentors and meets their new protege. Nice. Yeah, I've I've said uh, two musical prodigies build a connection through their mentor, but that correlation may not be what it seems.
1: Oh, that's really good. I spent a bit of time
0: on that one. I was uh, I was impressed. I was like I was very happy.
1: This is good because I I wanted to do like a, a really basic because the whole thing about this film is that you give too much away, you ruin it. So yep. fast flicks, you could have you could have started talking about past the plot even that would give things away. So um yeah you you really you really got that nicely what's a cello player called are they called like cellist or are they just called cello player like a musician <laughs> <laughs> you know you got like you, like a, a pianist
0: and a flautist yeah, are, they, are
1: they called cellists uh, maybe they are, i don't know
0: i'd go with that i think if, if you're going to refer to it just just stick with it i think yeah. i'm just going to keep saying cello player <laughs> Just stick through stick with that the whole way through there's nothing wrong with that um <laughs> we we do talk about how the film has come together and how it's landed on Netflix. So, what could you find on this one? Before I do, I am going to do a spoiler alert because I'm not too sure when I'm accidentally
1: going to jump into a spoiler. Normally, I don't in this section, but um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna spoil this film. And truly, if if you do want to watch this film, firstly, don't listen to what we're going to talk about because it will spoil it. Secondly, my advice would be don't even watch a trailer, go into this film as cold as you can. Um, and and then when you're done, come listen to us talk about it because you're probably going to want to uh, let your ideas out there in the world somewhere and hear people who... Aren't very educated to talk about it. Try to make sense of everything. But uh, that's a really good point
0: because, uh, yeah, this this is one. This is definitely one of the ones that we we've done in a long time that you need to go into this cold. So, um, mm. if you want to be cold, press pause because you're hurting our feelings, but also because um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're going to save yourself from having it ruined. So, um, do yeah. your best without ruining it. Let's do it.
1: Yeah. All right. Now we can ruin it because they've all gone and they're coming back. Don't worry, they're coming back. But um, so this movie in September, 2017, uh, that's when I first found some information on it. It was announced that Miramax was going to produce and finance the film, which is big. So financing it straight up. Richard Shepard uh, was on board to direct a a screenplay that he wrote alongside Nicole Snyder and Eric Charmello. Uh, Bill Block was the producer at that point in October, so the following month, Alison Williams joined the cast of the film. She'd worked with Richard Shepard on a few episodes of Girls, or well, she's on Girls, and Richard Shepard had done a few episodes of Girls as director. Um, and then a couple of months later, Logan Browning also joined the cast. So we had our two leads by December. Um, as I sort of said, Miramax was already on board to finance and produce the whole film. So they didn't have a distributor at this point, but they did have the means to basically make the entire film. Um, And that film had its premiere at Fantastic Fest, uh, basically a year later, September 20, 2018. And that's when there was a bit, I guess, a bit of a bidding war on for the distribution rights. And Netflix acquired those worldwide rights uh, and they released the film on the 24th of May, 2019. I found it really interesting that obviously, uh, Richard Shepard was obviously, he was excited about Netflix being able to buy this film. for a number of reasons, because if they had have had a theatrical distributor, which every director talks about how much they love the fact that their, their film is going to be in a theatre for everyone to enjoy uh, in, in probably the best way possible. Um, but at the same time, and I think this is a really good point for this film, is that he was really worried about the marketing of the film. Because as we see a lot of the time, a theatrical distributor would, would probably love to reveal a little bit more in a trailer than they'd want. Um, because they're doing all this work, this, all their, they're spending all this money on this film, they want people to go and see it. And he sort of had a bit more of a chance with Netflix to allow them to cut a trailer that, it would still give some stuff away, but it didn't give nearly as much away. And, and that was probably one of the main thoughts that they had from the beginning, was to make sure that whoever distributes the movie obviously really loves the film, um, but at the same time they can respect the type of movie it is, not reveal too much, and therefore take the joy out of the film, which is a really good point. I didn't watch the trailer for this film, but I can try trying
0: to cut a trailer. It's interesting when you're talking about the trailer because the the trailer and the even the, um you know, when you hover over the the film on Netflix, it, it sort of starts playing that yeah. teaser almost and uh, it makes it out to be more like a creature feature. It, it it doesn't go into any details realistically about what this is about. And um yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting ploy, I guess, that um, obviously people with these types of films want to keep, that core element or that, sh- that this, um, shock tactic or that uh, underlying theme that they're trying to go with as close to their chest as possible because you want audiences to walk in, like we said before, as cold as possible. So, uh, yeah, the, they do use a lot of those, that first half of that film, I guess, those those shots that if you saw it and you wanted yeah. to see sort of like a horror film that's about, um, you know, zombies or um, plagues yeah. or things like that, then you, you're probably yeah. going to walk away a little bit... Um, not disappointed, but um, a little bit confused with where it, the, the market is Yeah, or, or you'll appreciate the, the, the journey
1: they put you on because I think that's part of it is being being shocked and being surprised and going, oh, shit, like that's that's taken a turn. Um, hmm. But again, I, I can understand a theatrical distributor want to be like, no, no, the, the crux of this film is is X and we need to show X. And you're watching this film going, well, I've seen in the trailer that this happened, so something's going to change. And that, that would definitely ruin... Uh, ruin the viewing experience I just also want to touch on the fact that the the cello playing in this movie firstly the music that was written was original pieces um, and Alison Williams and Logan Browning had to learn how to play the cello now I find this interesting because I I have no idea what a, a good cello player would sound like and in my head these people are supposed to be like the elite of the elite And I'm sure if you've got a great ear for the cello, you're probably watching it going, well, this isn't that good. These two aren't as good as they want. But they obviously said from the start, we're not using doubles here. We want it to look as authentic as possible. So both the lead actors spent months before learning how to actually play those pieces specifically that they were playing in the film. Um, And from all reports, it's a very difficult instrument to play. So how's that for
0: part of your job? Uh, i have no musical talent at all so yeah it's it's a a good thing to admire i i think it took me um two years to get my first grade of clarinet (laughs) when i was in high school so everyone else did in the first like six months and i think it took me uh, uh, 24 months to get it done so yeah well anyone that can play a tune well done And no, you got me covered I don't think I've ever played an instrument in my life apart from recorder and primary school when you have to maybe <laughs> say recorder to like a lot of people that aren't in australia they're probably like what on earth is going on <laughs> oh yeah what, what are they yeah they, why, do, why is that part of the curriculum in australia that everyone has to play recorder <laughs> really, really interesting I don't I, and I don't know if it's still something that happens but uh it's a really, really good true. point like you look back on that and you're like what did like it was on that book list like everyone had to have <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's such a cheap,
1: it's like basically just plastic. <laughs> it's so cheap to
0: buy. Yeah. It's a horrible sounding instrument too. I remember when I had to do my examination for clarinet, my um I played uh Titanic, the theme. That was my <laughs> that was my exam song. Oh god. That would have sounded great. And you you obviously nailed it. I think I got a pass, which is the lowest thing you can get
1: without failing. <laughs> 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 so keep going. Uh well that's that's look, that's basically it. I, I found it quite interesting so
0: netflix came on board feels like the perfect fit for it yeah i uh, i think i read there were quite a few uh interviews with with um the director richard Shepard, um and i think this is obviously to do with that fantastic fest that i think a lot of the press you know took a lot of um a lot of grabs from what he was saying and and he, he really wanted to and i saw this in multiple places that he was pushing that idea that he a lot of the shots that he used were inspired by um brian de Palma and and a lot of uh, influence from sort of korean types of films too mm. so and you can visually see um what he was trying to do with those those types of shots too um uh, the only other thing i've got is the the tagline uh, which oh yeah which is uh, our new little favorite thing to look at but this one uh, was interesting its the tagline is it's time to face the music which um oh yeah which which does no, it's it, it's all right doesn't it yeah that's good it works it
1: works with the twist and it works enough without it as well. No, I'm happy with that. I'm actually actively avoiding reading the tagline because okay, right.
0: I want to, I want my reveal to be live, live, Good. On this podcast with you. Well, this one was pretty easy to find. It was literally on the the poster. Um, some of them have posters, That's- so that one was pretty easy. So it's pretty large. <laughs> They're too. hard to avoid. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess talk about awards. It's been a while. This one had three nominations and won all three, uh, which is we probably haven't seen in a while. So it won the Best Streaming premiere Film at the, at the Fangoria um, Chainsaw Awards. It won Best Editing at the Fright Meter Awards and also won the Best Non-Theatrical Release at the Online Film Critics Society Awards. So um, three from three, which is a, a good little standing.
1: All awards that they wouldn't have won if they weren't on Netflix, by the sounds of it, they all seem to be streaming related.
0: Yeah, and, th- th- and this one, I mean, it was filmed in um, Vancouver in Canada, I think that if I couldn't find anywhere because I was really intrigued to to see those, um, there's quite, at the start there's quite a lot of walking through city streets and things, and and it did have a very um, was it Singapore though I can't what city was it in Shanghai? Shanghai. Um, it had a really good vibe. If they didn't actually film in Shanghai, um, I feel like they I did didn't see that. I must admit, I assumed it was all in Shanghai. They've done yeah, that no, really, everything, everything said it was all done in um, British Columbia throughout um, <laughs> Vancouver in that area. So uh, obviously, I think a few of the establishing shots and. Um, Sort of that those they were obviously done um, as a as a side, but I think yeah, well done. If um, they, well they, done they, indeed, They confused yeah. me. Yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> consensus time. What do you, what, are the, what are people saying? It's a, it's a six
1: point two out of ten on IMDb, thirty nine thousand ratings that's based on, uh, and a two point nine out of five on Letterboxd, nearly fifty two thousand ratings on Letterboxd. So they got good eyeballs. I remember you saying last week that you remember when this one was released and you sort of felt like it was everywhere. Um, but uh, I don't remember it at all. And even seeing things now, I don't remember it, but people watched it and they kind of liked
0: it. It's a lot of eyeballs, like for Letterboxd, yeah. that's, that's big. And even IMDb, that's that's pretty large for, a, I mean, realistically, Alison Williams, people will know from Girls and, and Get Out, but it doesn't have a... a Another She's not a household name, no, no. yeah, exactly. So I think, um, yeah, it's it's quite a a good effort with uh, the amount yeah. of people that have gone out of their way. Same with uh, Rotten Tomatoes, I guess it's fairly positive. It's certified fresh, which we've had a couple recently, which is nice. So it sits on seventy one percent on ninety eight critic reviews, um, on that higher end, and the audience had it a little bit lower, down to fifty seven percent, and that was mm. on over five hundred, though, which again is a lot of people on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, some, sometimes yeah. we're seeing like two or three people on Rotten Tomatoes in some of the films we've done. So more than five hundreds, is a lot. We haven't bad Rotten Tomatoes for a while. So it's a good
1: chance to say that we're, we're comparing. Everyone <laughs> yeah. uses Rotten Tomatoes, but everyone uses it. Oh, it's, it's this on Rotten Tomatoes and 500 people watched it. 50,000 people watched it on Letterboxd. What would you rather a sample
0: size of? Come on. I feel like, yeah, I don't want to sound snobbish, but yeah, I agree. All right, <laughs> let's, let's, um, let's continue. I, um, I think this is time for us to talk about our early thoughts and where we're sitting before we get into the crux of it. So what are you thinking uh, prior to that discussion?
1: Yeah, I look, this movie, it kind of rocked for me. I, I really liked it. it. Like the mystery and the, and the twists and turns and obviously the fact that it changed directions on two or three really big times. Uh, and then the shifting story actually was really was really great. It was really fun. Um, I found the whole journey engaging. It kept me on my toes. I enjoyed it. I'm still not 100% sure how I feel about the whole crux of the narrative being based on a rapey academy for, for gifted cello players. Um, but the, the first act, it, it takes you on this really fun and unexpected journey and you start to visualize where the story's going to go. And then, bam, it just changes completely. And then you, you kind of get it and you're okay with it. And just when you think you know what this new direction is going, then, bam, it changes again. Um, and I think just in general, I kind of love a movie where you never really know who the crazy one is. Uh, you know that there's, someone's off somewhere and, and there's, there's a crazy person somewhere. You don't know who it's going to be and it keeps changing in your mind. And I think they do that really well in this.
0: Good. That's a, um, that's a really good uh, summation. i I'm, I like that. Uh, I'm going to be a bit of a letdown. I, cu- I couldn't get into this one. Um, I knew <laughs> you wouldn't. <yeah. laughs> I, uh, I think, I think my expectations were too high. Um, I, Cause I'd wanted to say this since it came out, uh, I kept away from spoilers and like we mentioned before, I think that you have to do that to like for this film to have that okay. impact that it wants, I guess. And I, um, yeah, it just sort of reeked a bit more of like a D-grade horror film with some really over-the-top acting performances that sort of uh, prevented that message that they were trying to get through to me to to truly shine. Uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. I must
1: admit, I, I think this movie is as much as there is a big message that they're trying to give. I think this movie is less about the message and more about the the, the
0: roller coaster, I guess for me. Good. I'm looking forward to hearing um, where it took you because uh, there's a, there's a couple there's there's a couple of bits that yeah I, I agree with that and there's a couple of bits that I don't. So let's uh, let's uh, look at some characters and, and start off with. I think this about, is going to be good about uh, where we stand with and th- yeah, there's there's not an awful lot of characters that we really need to talk about, but start us off with Charlotte. Mm. Yeah. So
1: look, we've got this girl who's clearly been messed up by years of abuse and, and sexual abuse from a very young age. And it's it's bound to mess you up. And I suppose the journey of discovery that she goes on to gain clarity, if we want to call it clarity, um, that all happens before we actually meet her on screen. So the shard that we meet has kind of gone through this whole cycle of dealing with um, the trauma in her life. But there's still, there's something off about her the entire time Uh, and that feeling is kind of what makes all these twists and turns possible. It's all really believable because we've got this character who, if she turns out to be incredibly normal, I can understand it. If she turns up to be batshit crazy, I can understand it. And it all kind of just really works because she's surprisingly tactical and measured throughout this whole journey. When you actually look back on it, everything that sort of happens, happens, you know, plan by plan, step by step by her but she never loses that glint of crazy throughout all of it. And that's even relevant in the final scene when, you know, she's obviously in a big knife fight with someone. She's still got that menacing craziness to her. And I think Alison Williams is kind of at her chilling get out kind of best in this situation where it's the first half of the film, like, Oh, this is just the exact same character from get out. Um, But then she goes to another level and you find out that she's kind of driving the whole thing. So I thought she makes this character work, which makes the film work.
0: <laughs> I, uh, everything that you've sort of touched on, like, I reckon I've got all those words that you've said and I'm, it, but it, just in a different sort of a, a tiny switch of a take where, and to me, that idea that you mentioned too, trauma is where she starts off for me. And we start off with seeing her mother, you know, slowly disintegrate, I guess. Um, I think the setup with her of, of, and obviously, this is that false lead that they're trying to do with her being a jealous type character um, who wants that fame and that fortune and the glamour, I guess that that Lizzie's got, who we'll talk about in a sec. But and you know that was fine. I, I enjoyed watching that and seeing that. But then that switch, I, it let mm. me down a bit um, mm. because um, you know I, I liked the the reveal of the when she takes her wig off at the end, and and you know it shows these hard times that you know she's had to deal with this cult or whatever you want to call them as well as yeah. the, the, the passing of her mother. But, and I, and you mentioned this too, I could not shake that idea of her from get out. And I think, I think, you know, I, I teach that film. And so I think I've seen that film 20 times. So yeah. to me, all I see when I see Alison Williams is, um, is Rose in get out. Right, And so the twist and the reveal is just, it just didn't sit with me because that to me, that's all she is so if this character was cast to someone else maybe i would have loved this film and that's probably just me personally because of interesting how often i've had to pull that character apart pull scenes apart from another film um and there's not a lot of like there's not a lot of films where i've had to watch like not that i have to but that i've watched them so many times that it's like indoctrinated almost so i think that's just a personal thing for me and i can see exactly what you're saying
1: it's a good point i mean I, I think Alison williams works with the familiarity in that role because she she feels she does the crazy really well so i was expecting the crazy and that's what helps the switch work even better but man there's nothing chilling as that scene in get out where he's where chris is just like get the keys rose rose get the keys get the keys like it doesn't matter how many times i've watched that movie my heart is just thumping watching yeah. that scene Babe, you know, I can't give you the keys.
0: <laughs> oh, oh,
1: just because it, you, the scene starts, especially when you first watch it, the scene starts and you don't really suspect it. But as it goes on and it goes on,
0: you're like, this isn't right. This something's off here. And then when she says that, it's just, sorry, we... that's the, 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 <laughs> um, I need to recap that scene again. Heading towards the exam coming up soon for my senior <laughs> kids, so um, that's our that's our key scene for Rose's character development. So thank you for refreshing my mind. <laughs> you, it is a belter. Um, is a right,
1: let's move on to Lizzie. Um, and it, look, I, I did call out Alison Williams. I thought it was a great performance. I have to do the same for Logan Browning here, and I'm worried that you're going to say the opposite. But I thought she smashes this performance out of the park. I, um, I think this character goes through so many different variations uh, and and Logan Browning just really nails it like you think of the um, the Lizzie at the start when they're watching the, the, the kids play the cello when they're deciding who's going to win and she talks about the sexual chemistry and all and then she sort of goes into her being you know her own her own self and, and then obviously dealing with the trauma of losing her hand like she just goes through so many different phases and and she does it really well and I think the irony of this character in general is that it truly did take a barbaric life-changing attack to make her see what she'd gotten herself into. And as I said, the the Lizzie that we meet at the start is is one of the most down to earth elite musicians that you can really imagine. She doesn't really seem like she is an elite musician when you actually meet her and talk to her. And I suppose that's the bubble of comfort that was created at this Academy. I mean, we, we need to understand why people are, keen to stick out this academy regardless of what's going on and i think that's a scary insight into a world where sexual abuse is normalized from a very young age that it, it does it feels comfortable and, and you actually don't want to be out of it because it's the world that you know and and that that's works for you so it, 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 they do they they discuss that quite
0: well using using lizzie as a as a pilot yeah um i think this this was probably the the type of performance that sort of let the the rest of the film down for me because it was especially once like and I agree like you mentioned that the the first part you know you you have no inkling that there's any concerns with her um but I f- also feel like we didn't get to know enough about her like I feel like we see this um new protege that they're trying this young little girl um was it Zhang I think I can't remember yeah. they, we see this new Zang girl or- yeah Zang Lai. Zang Lai. we could have. Why can we've seen some flashbacks of her initiation into the program, or her her starting, or her parents saying goodbye to her, just to give a little bit more background? Because I feel like we got that with Charlotte, we got more of that rounded, um, story and development. Where with her, it was just like, um, we find out that she's been abused. We find out that she needed an amputation to see this, and to me, like, just seemed too much of a quick uh, transition without getting any further context behind her journey to that point. Um, and I know that that's part of that plot and the story that they want that reveal that you weren't expecting mm. what was going to happen. Um, but some of those, uh, those, those like some of her on the especially on the bus, some of the uh, her overreaction, I don't know, it just I'm sorry, I just couldn't, couldn't deal. That was really awkward for me watching a lot of that stuff.
1: Oh man, I was the exact opposite. I, I love the bus scene, <laughs> uh, we'll probably talk about it. I think soon. what you're saying is what you're saying is fair, but. I, I think also there's an assumption that you, you we see a lot more of um, Charlotte's journey. And I think there's an assumption that Lizzie basically went on a very similar same. path. If, you, if you're showing the same thing over and over again, then you start to go, okay, we get it. But it's a good point as
0: well if you, if you need to connect more with that character. Yeah, no, and I think you're exactly right that, you know, it'd be too repetitive to show exactly the same story, but even just to show something briefly that was a little bit different in her journey or some sort of inkling mm. that she knew what was happening to her was wrong at some stage because obviously mm. Charlotte's worked that out at some stage. So you just, I just would have liked to have seen one acknowledgement of Lizzie at some stage thinking something was off here rather than her yep. needing that, just that one impactful moment to, to see it. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Anton? All uh- right moving on to anton obviously he's the villain you know the the
1: slick and suave big bad wolf but the constant references to the fact that this is a generational academy and anton along with jeffrey and tice were once students there i think it's obviously in anton's family so it's obviously it was his parents and his grandparents who were running the academy prior to him and, and this vile behavior has been normalized they, they've grown up with it as a technique that works there's a level of brainwashing which is probably a bigger factor than these guys being just kind of sick rapists and i think there's a there's a line where he he says something to the end he's like oh i wasn't going to do anything to her i'm not i'm not just a sick pervert and i think he truly believes that despite deep down knowing that it's wrong i think because he's grown up with this and as say, it, 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 as much as it pains me to say maybe it's, it's a technique that has worked for them it's, it's got results in terms of uh, them being excellent cello players, so I, I think there's more there's more to Anton than just being like this sick rapist. Like he is a guy who has grown up in this world where this is how it's done, and and that's a really scary thought
0: that for generations that has been the norm. Yeah, really, really good observations. Um, I think like when I was looking into this film a bit, there was a lot of commentary, like you know his the idea is he's that big deal in the music world but we don't actually get to see him play at any stage um mm. which and i guess that's sort of a bit of a reflection at times on probably what the music industry is like the, the people who have got the power and the money aren't necessarily the the musically talented people they're the ones that are able to mm. manipulate people and get what they want through doing not necessarily good deeds and mm. a lot of the commentary i was reading online was talking about you know this is that sort of Weinstein-like character. Um, and then there was a lot of a lot of people saying back, well, you know, Miramax Films obviously distributed this. That was Weinstein's sort of um, where he started. But this film was actually announced three weeks before those allegations came out. So I think it's still important to acknowledge that this still came out in that time. So you, you're still reflecting what society sort of staying sort of saying at the time. And um, the, the thing with me that sort of resonated a little bit was like, and I did not understand it at all was this idea of that, the the title perfection and his chasing this perfection through people other than himself. And he relates it often to like God and like, you know, it's, it's being close to God and things like that. And to me, I was just, I couldn't understand like, are these, his own delusions in trying to um cover up and and he actually understands what he's doing is not right because if he relates it to religion and use religion as like a as an exit ticket or an exit point and saying well this is what my family like you mentioned that that family chain that said Mm. this is what god wants of us this is what's going on um and relating that abuse to religion as well and i I just that was where it sort of sat with me a little bit and his wife paloma like what was with her like seriously like um i (sighs) It, was, it almost would have been better to have him not have a wife. Like, you did not need that character because he's obviously getting the satisfaction in life that he needs without having her there. And, and her standing there as a as an almost an accomplice without creating any action or, or, or kickback just didn't sit right.
1: Yeah, look, I'll, I'll touch on that now. I, I agree. I have no idea where Paloma fits into all this. I don't know if I missed something with that, but yeah, I, that made no sense to me in um, any way. But to your point about God, it's really it's something that I hadn't pondered because um, there is lots of references to God. And I just thinking about it now, it, it's almost as if he recognizes that the acts that he's doing are probably un, unjust, ungodly. He shouldn't be doing them. But his repayment is this music, this perfection, which, as he says, if you play it right, you get close to God sort of thing. So he's like, look, I'm doing your work by giving you the music that you desire. I know I have to do some really suspect things to get it to you, but that's, that's, I'm playing my course. And again, like deep down, you probably truly believe that that's, that's what he thinks is
0: the case. Yeah. And I, I almost to make him that true villain, take out that line that this has been something that's running through the family because that almost implies that he's a bit of a victim himself. And I reckon to, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's and, important though.
1: I think, I think that talks about from a society perspective that that talks about, Something that has been wrong for so long that it becomes normalized, and that is so
0: much harder to change than just having one guy who's just a little bit fucked in the head. Yeah, and but I, I don't know. I, I don't want to feel empathy for this guy at all. And that that's sort of like I you want to be on yeah. board with these two these two girls um the whole way. I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a good point though. Like, and I understand why they've done it, but just me personally, I'm like I want to be on board with these two girls the whole way and make sure they get exactly what they need out of this situation um yeah it. yeah i don't i don't
1: think i ever really felt much empathy for him to be frank it, it's only no. when you drill it down that you realize that this is institutionalized behavior which is probably a bigger and juicier theme to be making a film about rather than we've just got this sick rapist
0: yep yeah excellent good any other characters that you wanted to talk about no there's no. not right. director anything that you wanted to say about richard Shepard? Yeah, I, I'm not familiar. He's obviously done a couple of features that I haven't
1: seen, which are mm. semi-decent semi features. Um, done lots of directing TV. I think I read somewhere where he loves making films because he often writes and directs his films and he does a lot of TV and a lot of pilot work to sort of pay the bills and, and jumps back into a feature film. So it's interesting. I mean, you forget sometimes that this is a, a
0: fully functioning industry that people need to, you know, pave their way. Yeah, I, like you mentioned, I think this was his eleventh feature film, and I don't think I'd heard of any of the others, um, which was interesting. But yeah, decent cast though, like that. Yeah. Yeah, he's done some big names. Like it's he's he's around. And I I went through and I was like, I'm gonna list off just a couple of the TV shows just to show that this guy's like got some pretty good work. Like obviously we mentioned Girls before, like did twelve episodes of that on HBO. Did episodes of The Handmaid's Tale, Thirty Rock. Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone, which probably ties in pretty closely with the, the ideas that he's done in this. And then, yeah, like mm-hmm. you mentioned too, the pilots for Ugly Betty, which went on to be a pretty big show on ABC in America and, and Criminal Minds as well. Like, There's some pretty big shows there.
1: Yeah. No, he's, he's definitely got his finger on the pulse enough.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, lead into some scenes. What are some ones that you enjoyed in this?
1: Yeah, look, we, we might as well talk about it first up, but I think... <laughs> If you want to talk about memorable scenes the bus scene for me was really memorable it was it had it had me on the edge of my seat at this stage i think i'm watching like contagion or something like that just, this is 100 what i thought and i was actually thinking to myself where does the perfection come into this where, where does this title come into? i'm like all right i'll figure it out later but okay i'm, I'm all in for this sort of uh, pandemic type movie in you know i guess the outskirts of china and what's going to happen and that bus scene was so memorable to me because obviously when we think she, she thinks she's hung over and I think she's hung over and in your head, you know, she's not. And you're just wondering where it's going and it was intense and it was graphic and um, yeah. And I, that ties obviously right into um, when they get off the bus and obviously the bugs in the arm again, when you don't know that this is her hallucinating was awesome. <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> this is next level. She has bugs coming all out of her. I thought that was so great. I don't know if if before I keep talking about my next scene, you want to talk about the bus scene and how you didn't like it because I might as well keep on topic.
0: Um, no, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to mention the the. Oh, okay, all right. Let's talk about the bus then. Um, so you want me to talk about <laughs> the things I like around the bus now? Yeah. Just, <laughs> just the bus scene. Yeah, let's. Um, we're, we're,
1: we're we're talking about the bus scene.
0: I'll start off so. I don't know, just the whole idea of her trying to stay conscious and the the people on the bus and the interactions on the bus and the idea of um, Lizzie knowing how to speak the local language and not even attempting to to yell out to the people on the bus when we know that Charlotte doesn't. And I know that she's feeling horrible and all that sort of stuff, but she could have been starting to yell so, so people could understand what was going on. I don't know, it just didn't sit right. And that whole, you know, they start to stay conscious. Let's list the the composers we know in alphabetical order and i was just like cringeworthy just, just anyway yes. but i'll finish up my favorite line of the film was on the bus so i will finish with that Okay, <laughs> my five favorite line on the bus was when lizzie's like i'm gonna shit myself i just like <laughs> i thought that's funny <laughs> So, so she go. was adamant about it too <laughs> yeah <laughs> just yeah anyway sorry keep going
1: all right so the next thing i like kind of ties into everything um was that first reveal the, the reveal that um, Charlotte was was in on the whole thing she basically set this entire thing up uh, just when things were getting a little bit crazy on the bus and obviously they got off the bus she'd given her a butcher's knife she turned she, she did, she'd had her are the keys rose moment when she's like well you know what you gotta do and gives her the butcher's stuff. I'm like oh you sneaky bitch um, you realise she's in on it and again there was enough glimmer of suspicion for this to work because you know you're not sold on Charlotte at all there's something off about her um, and so this movie just changes direction. Okay, here's this girl, really jealous. She's actually taking out the competition. Somehow she's going to find herself back into this house and back in this academy. This is the movie I'm watching. All right, cool, I can handle that. And then the next scene that I really liked was that second direction change, and it all basically kicks off, and we get back to the house, and, um, and, and Charlotte's uh, gone inside, and she's basically said to anton you know i'm here to save her from you and i'm like what there's something more here we're going to go on another direction here and i think the thing that sticks out for me the most is that anton kind of like stammers and he sort of chuckles a little bit and then he gives this most chilling look like stephen Weber absolutely nails this look uh and the tone entirely changes and that sort of happens when you see the flashback and you first see him 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 naked, obviously blurred out, but naked. And you're like, holy hat, this movie is, again, not what I thought it was going to be. So you go through these two different rabbit holes, which just, just as a general film lover, I just appreciated being pulled along and strung along, but still believing everything that happened. Um, and then just the last couple of things that I liked, obviously when... Charlotte had to play for them at the end and and they bring in Zhang Li um, almost as bait. There's a moment where um, Anton just puts his hands on her shoulder and she just shivers. And that shiver was just so perfect because the intensity in this scene, I guess it's palpable in the room that you're sitting in and Zhang Li doesn't know anything about what's going on, but that that, uh, innate feeling that something's off with this man was really strong. Um, The final scene that I have to put in there is It's kind of like a combination of two scenes, really. But the the final knife fight was just insane. And the final shot of that knife fight, it just... Because this film wasn't a gory, overly gory film. There was obviously some stuff with the bus and things like that. But then when they just started slashing limbs and slashing throats and stuff, that was like, wow, we're going all out for for this finale. And that final shot, it just took things to a brand new level of him obviously sitting there sewed up with the mouth, sewed up with the eyes, got his arms and legs sewed off, and he's sitting there like Elijah Wood in Sin City. And it just, it absolutely sticks with you, that final shot. And it's almost just purely for a visceral experience that they've put it there. But I'm not going to forget that in a long time. And I, I don't know why, but I just felt satisfied with it. Maybe the story, I didn't care, they were be sitting there playing the cello with their two mangled hands and helping each other out. But that final shot of him sitting <laughs> there was just weirdly satisfying i just thought what have i just watched but thank you for taking me on this
0: journey good i, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to that that was, uh, <laughs> it was it was good put it all together very nicely um and yeah if you're still with us and you haven't seen the film sorry um <laughs> yeah. i so i mentioned that the that line about uh herself on the bus the the other part about this film that i didn't mind too much was that neck tattoo of the music note um, because that got me thinking very early uh, when we mm-hmm. saw it on one neck and then the other neck and then my thoughts and like me trying to figure out what was going on. I was like, is she sort of taking over her body or transforming into her body? So I thought there was like some sort of supernatural element. Um, so it had me had me going and then um, obviously mm-hmm. brought back down very quickly uh, when we worked out what was actually going on. So um, you're still kind
1: of right to think that there was something, something wrong with it and something yeah. significant with it. Yeah. Yeah
0: but i was way off so it's (laughs) Um, (laughs) okay what what are some things that you didn't like in this one look there's not too much i i do
1: want to mention and again i've never been to shanghai specifically but have you ever seen a billboard of a cello player promoting beer like is that is that the Um, endorsement
0: that you want I've got that in my questions for later. Have you ever seen a chalice with a billboard that large? <laughs> no, I haven't. I looked even no, it was it was promoting beer as well. Because first I thought it was
1: just a um, billboard of her. Mm. But then if you actually look, it's wrapped around and there's actually beer. Like she's she's literally selling like you know, tick or something. And I, 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 could, I couldn't, I even, name. I I couldn't like... even name a cellist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know, so that was that was a bit weird. Um, and the other thing I didn't really like was and I found this interesting to find out later on that Alison Williams learned how to play the cello, but I wasn't buying her playing the cello. She looked, she looked weird playing, the, and I, I don't even know what you are supposed to look like playing the cello, but Logan Browning looked like she was genuine, and that, I'd never seen Logan Browning anything before, um, but maybe she's a cello player. But Alison Williams looked
0: off, oh. so um, okay. that were the two things that didn't sit well with me um so the for me the when uh the girls are sort of meeting and we're seeing like the the group of young kids playing and they're just observing the parents in the crowd and um you know lizzie's pointing out the the cheating parents sort of thing and um you know the one of the the mums is sort of grabbing the the genital area of another dad <laughs> and just the the comment from lizzie was like you know we shouldn't spy but that gets me wet and then what sort of leads into her sort of being into girls in the next scene it just didn't i don't know i was like I think there's a
1: lot of sexual confusion with Lizzie purely because purely because of you know she's been getting raped for majority of her life. So I think it was important to set up that that sexual notion because
0: it's a big factor for them in the rest of the film. Just just felt real awkward, Um, and maybe that's what they needed me to feel. Um, The the when they get off the bus and Charlotte pulls that meat cleaver uh, and chop the arm off, it, it, it didn't really shock me. And maybe this is what I talked about before with Alison Williams, but I was just like, I was waiting for something to happen. So yeah, okay, it, it's happened. So yeah, I don't know. I think and, that's fair. Yeah. So I just needed. Um, yeah, I don't know. And I think that if you go into and you're like, oh my god, what the hell's happened here? then that works really well, um, but it just didn't for me. Um, I think you need, there, there needs to be a level of understanding though. Like, I was the same, like I was
1: shocked without being blown away because there's something off with this character and they're kind of setting you up to thinking that she is jealous of, of Lizzie's character. And so when it
0: happens, you're like, whoa, I, I'm buying it though. And that's, that's sort of worked. And like the back end, I was I was definitely getting into it a lot more. When once we had that switch and you know, we we were seeing the two working together, I was definitely getting into it. Um, and then it lost me again right at the end when Lizzie go, I think it was Lizzie said, we're gonna cut your balls off and sell them as trinkets to Anton. And that just that lost me. I was like, nah, it's not a line of dialogue, you say out loud. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> this is a girl who was gonna who was gonna use a stump. I
0: almost put that <laughs> in as things that didn't stand right. Uh, but yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, let's, uh, let's let's lead into some thoughts and some ideas about what this was trying to say. And I think we've, we've touched on quite a bit of them already, but let's go for it. Yeah, look, I said like I was a lot more engrossed in the film techniques
1: to, to shift the story around and keep me really hooked in what I thought was this, as I said, contagion-esque story that turned into basically a crazed up revenge movie. Um, so whilst there were some nice themes that are really important to talk about, it wasn't the reason why I really liked this film, but I think the idea of being oppressed by a man in power and, and making it feel like you deserve these disgusting acts that are being taken out and, as I said, this institutionalised behaviour that, um, that is really difficult to escape from, um, all comes through really clearly and, and that's obviously the one big theme and the second big theme is just purely revenge.
0: Yep. Yeah. The, that revenge that you need that revenge to almost survive to, um, you know, the victims, they need to, they need validation of their pain. They need to say what we've gone through wasn't right. Um, and it all comes from that power of that. Like I mentioned before that domination, that brainwashing, the the abuse and the need to take that back a little bit and, although it sort of leads to this idea of like competition, um, that competition almost leads to this idea of that survival as well to, to navigate this and, and overcome that victimization. And like that musical idea too two of like a duet, like the two of these Mm. girls working together and the power that they have working together. And obviously we mentioned too that, that final shot of them playing together is that bringing that all together. Mm. That's strong. Yeah, it was a strong shot. Yeah, definitely. Um all right, what'd you take away from this one? Firstly, the cello makes a really great
1: sound. I I I've never really heard a cello isolated, I don't think. I've never really thought about it, but I enjoyed the sound of the cello throughout this movie. <laughs> Uh, I might even jump on Spotify and listen to a few. No, you won't. Don't, lie. Don't lie. I might. I
0: might do it. I might. It might be a nice way when I'm cooking dinner or to wind down. What was the movie we watched the other week? The reggae. So you're going to listen to reggae as well as some cello. Music I already now. do listen to reggae. I
1: like reggae. Reggae is
0: part of my repertoire, but cello would be would be an addition.
1: So, um, look, I I would have loved to have seen this in a cinema. I was I was really engaged, and you know, a dark cinema would have really taken this to another level. Um, with all that said, and obviously I did like this film, I, I reckon I'd have trouble recommending it. it. It feels really polarizing, and I went into this podcast today expecting you not to like the film, and I think if I recommended it to someone, they'd come. they there's a big chance they'd come back and be like, "What the hell have you just made me watch?" Um, so. It, it does become a little bit difficult in that sense to try and
0: figure out who's going to like this film. I think uh, it just proves that you know we know each other pretty well. The, <laughs> I expected you to enjoy this too, so um, that's you know, a great it's, point. It's, it's nice that you know after a hundred and something episodes, one hundred and fifty something episodes together, we've worked out our film tastes. Um, <laughs> but, but talking about the film, I guess uh, so. Me- like, I think this is a a really good if you're talking about the, the technical way of of this film being put together. I think this is a really good example of of how point of view can be so important in narrative storytelling. Um, and Mm -hmm. the, the rewinds obviously, and I think i read something about talking about how they, they wanted to keep the budget as tight as possible. So they didn't have a lot to go back and, and redo those rewinds in different ways, just sort of single shots that sort of changed a little bit. Um, you know, without that, that point of view for the, the first, um, the first half coming from from lizzie you, you don't understand like you don't understand that that's the whole point of it without um if you're here seeing it from charlotte's point of view it, it's not impactful at all so it's yeah. a really good way of doing that yeah that's
1: that's a great point and I, and I and that part of the film actually copped some criticism online some of the reviews that i read but i i agree with you i think it actually did a really good job of <laughs> of capturing that definitely good did you go into imdb to check anyone out I did. And I'm hoping you didn't jump on. Did you jump on Phantom? No. Good. So, Stephen Webber. As soon as I saw him, I was like, I recognize this guy. He is in a movie that we've done on a Flix Forum. Coin Heist? No. 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 Probably around the same time. It was... Uh, Heda, was about, Heda was on the podcast during this time. You're not going to get it. <laughs> tell me. He, was, he, was in, he was in the movie Handsome. ah uh-huh. Okay. He was he was like the main killer or the actor in the mm. So you know how at the start of the film there's a guy like Paul Party. <laughs> Hi, I'm the
0: killer of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, or whatever. That, that's him. Ah, so yeah. cool. That was a that's good a, one. That 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 is, a, a, I recognize
1: brilliant. the face.
0: That's yeah. an excellent. So there we go. That was well done. Good job. Yeah. yeah I um I jumped on for Logan Browning, um, Lizzie, because just that familiar face and <laughs> the only thing I think that I possibly said oh, was that Bratz movie, the live action Bratz movie. Um which I <laughs> <laughs> um I don't know why I'm saying I've watched it, but um, yeah, that's that's all. <laughs> so let's move on. I didn't even know there was a live action bats movie. <laughs> there was. It was woeful. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Logan
1: Brownie, man. I liked I. She does more stuff. Good. Uh, did you have any questions you wanted to ask? Yeah, I, I got it's probably a long-winded question. Um, i I'm, I'm curious about the other students over the years. I mean, this is clearly an insanely successful academy. It's obviously making lots of money and making lots of money for Anton specifically. No one wanted to speak out about it. How deep does this raping... Um, how deep does it all go? Is it just the uber elite who actually get exposed to this kind of thing? Or did everyone just close their mouth until the gruesome knife fight had to derail everything?
0: That's, that's probably a good point too. Like you you think about these Hollywood actors that we've seen um, where there's obviously a lot of people that have kept their mouth shut um, mm. and, and hidden the the truth of what's been going on because they don't want the truth coming out because they don't want it to impact their careers. They don't want it to impact their kids yep. in, in, in this movie. They probably don't want, you know, they want that fame and fortune for their kids. So how complicit are some of the parents in this? Are they aware of what's going on? Especially those, yeah. those ones okay. that are standing in the, in the crowds watching these performances and, um, there's got to be some sort of thought that something isn't right somewhere. So I think that's a really good question. There's probably no right answer, but it's probably a mixture of everything. There's a level that it only happens when you get to that room and you only get
1: to that room unless you only get to that room when you are at a certain top-notch standard. Do they allow you to play in that acoustically perfect room? And And maybe that's only... Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Maybe it's only when you get to that point yeah. that they go, "No, no, we need to push you to a whole new level," that uh, that normal techniques won't get you to. Yeah, it just found it interesting.
0: Hmm.
1: Anything else? No. no. Uh, look, maybe. Okay, I had a question about. Um, I didn't write it down, but I was think I've been thinking about it as to whether. And it's gone. So you asked me a question. If I think of it, if I think of it, I'll come
0: back so, to it. So obviously um, Charlotte traveled to Shanghai with her mother's medication with more than likely intention of carrying through with this plan. Mm-hmm. So it was, there's a little bit of premeditation in it, I guess. Is the research or the, 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 her, understanding that Lizzie was into girls that led to them getting together and then her asking her on the trip, like, or did she know that Lizzie had already planned a break? How, how, it just seemed like a lot of, well, I'll take her home, I'll give her drugs and I'm expecting her to ask me to go on this trip with her. Like, what if she never asked her to go on the trip with her? Well, you got to remember that when they first started having a
1: chat um, that night, when she told her she was going on a trip, she was basically pushing her being like, so, you're never going to leave the academy. Never, 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 never. And like, there was a level of her being like, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to coax her out of it. And I think she probably had to adjust a little bit on the fly as to how far she was going to go. I don't, yeah. I think you can still follow through that plan without going on the trip with her
0: if True. you can still get a chance to give her a, the medication. And... True. They could have just uh, chilled in the hotel all day and done it in the hotel room.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, there's, there's levels of it that could have worked either way. You're right. It's, way, way convenient that it was going to play out exactly the way it played out. But um, yep. uh, yeah, I do like when I think back, I'm like, okay, why are you pushing so hard about her being back in the academy? But then in your head at the time, you're like, you really want a spot in the academy.
0: That's why you're making sure that So it kind of works both ways. Isn't it? Um, all right, la- last little one. Um, so Anton, his aim was he wanted to see these two girls play together. So he gets that at the end. Is that some sort of satisfaction that doesn't like (laughs) it's like, I know it happened earlier in the film as well. So you got to see him play earlier in the film anyway. I don't know. It just him getting that satisfaction, like with that setup, it doesn't sit right with me. Um, Okay. So he's looking into it too much.
1: No, no, it's a good point, but here's, here's why they would have done it is because he is so adamant on doing anything he can to hear that song, whatever it's called, completely perfect in that room uh, at any cost. So at any cost to the girls who are trying to play it. Now the flip side is they're saying, how badly do you want to hear this? Cause we are going to mutilate your entire body, but your ears are going to be completely intact and we're going to play it for you. And it's going to be perfect. Now tell me how satisfied you actually are. I think that that's what they're trying to do. Like this is what you want at all costs. So we're going to do it for you, but you're going to sacrifice absolutely everything that you have, the way that we've had to sacrifice everything that we have. Excellent
0: response. Hold well on. Um, yeah. You can't tell me you're sitting there going, ah, lucky bastard got to hear them play oh, no, one no, more time. Not at all. I just,
1: <laughs> I, no, no,
0: not at all. I was just like, you know, I think this was my issue with him as the character more, was that I needed him to be um, yeah. more of a clear cut villain so then it's like you deserve exactly what you're getting yeah. um yeah
1: he got his muffins <laughs> he yeah, doesn't he doesn't end the movie how, how long fight. during
0: they keep him alive just keep him alive forever in a day <laughs> yeah. great point isn't it yeah. it's such a good point because they managed to get a drip and all that sort of stuff keep the cops away they're, they're doing pretty well everyone else is dead in the they house lying around so. they do, do very well there's a few girls upstairs girls
1: and boys upstairs just sleeping. Imagine all those kids. I walk down. Oh, there's Polona on the floor. Oh, there's those other two dudes on the floor. Now she's pissed herself and died.
0: What's going on? Oh, <laughs> oh, these two girls with one arm each are just <laughs> oh god. All right. Well, let's um let's wrap this one up and where we put our thoughts together and give it a rating out of five. Where are you finishing off with this one? You know, this was a roller coaster for me. It was a roller coaster of of traction, of
1: emotions, and even just the tests that it gave my ability to stomach what was on screen uh, was part of it as well, but I was completely in for it. I, w- I was captivated. I was intrigued and some scenes and shots have really stayed with me in the last few days. And I think will continue to, um, despite the perverse nature of some of the content I was, I was captivated and I was excitedly surprised with the mystery of the journey. Um, oh, I'm actually thinking of Bumping changing it up. What- i am gonna say four stars
0: nice good i think that's uh that's a good good point to start off with and um you know I, I think the the production values for this were pretty high um i just i think that the narrative for me where you've got such an important issue that's like you know it's a, a polarizing issue that some people are, are especially yeah some people are going to be um really upset when they see this film without any warning mm-hmm. which um can be a tough thing and i think it's a really important issue and i think you know good on them for, for trying to put it through it just didn't come through in a good enough way for me um and i think possibly if we get a better performance for the character from lizzie we recast charlotte um it might have got over the line for me for a little bit of a higher score because i probably would have connected with it a little bit more so um, i'm giving mm. it a two so it gives us a, a three which i think isn't too bad that's the way you had with my four. It made your two not look as yeah, bad. <laughs> God. Too well. I thought you I was thinking you're probably going to think I was going to lower. <laughs> uh, no, I thought you were going to go two and a half, to be honest. Two and a half. Yeah, good. Almost. I was thinking, I was like contemplating. I was like, do I put this up high? I was like, nah, stay in there. So um, we no, are you. on socials. We've got Twitter, Facebook, Instagram we sort of talked about this before. Um, I just wanted to know like that idea of Anton sitting there, do they let him live? Do they let him listen to the music for the rest of his life? Do they just wait until that bag's dripped out and then let him sit there and rot? Like what, what do they do with him? To be honest, I'm kind of satisfied with any of those responses. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a, let's hear your most gruesome way of letting him (laughs) cark it. Uh. (laughs) Did you, how,
1: how were you when you saw that shot? Because no one was expecting it, right? It's
0: a good point. Um, I don't even I, Yeah, I, I expected to see them playing together. I guess I, um, because I, I think we needed that validation that um, that Lizzie can still play um, as an audience. You needed to to see that that she's been able to get back. But yeah, it's a it's a good point. I probably probably I probably wasn't expecting him to still be sitting there. No, not in not in that state. <laughs> that state it was. Yeah. Um,
1: I, just, I think I just appreciated the level they went to. Like, they're just like, we're going
0: all out in these last five minutes, by the way, guys. <laughs> yeah. All uh, right, well, we're back again next week for, we jump back to 2019. We've got another sci-fi, which uh, it's a sci-fi adventure Ooh. called Rim of oh, the I love World. Adventure. Yeah, it's uh, directed by... One of our favourite uh, Netflix directors, I reckon, uh, McG, oh, from no. who did Babysitter. Oh, man. no! Yes! Yeah. Yes! Uh, it stars Jack Gore, Maya Sech, Benjamin Flores Jr., and Alessio Scalazzo. So, so that's what we've got for next week. Great. Why have I heard of this movie? It was huge. <laughs> I, well, okay. when, when it was released, it was everywhere. This, this was, we're in that oh, stage okay, where cool. Netflix were pumping stuff out. Um, this, this was huge when it came out.
1: Cool. Yeah, the name massively rings a bell. All right, this is good. We're a nice little
0: stretch here. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, we're at that stage where we've missed out on a few international films for a couple of weeks. And uh, I don't want to jinx us, we'll probably get some soon, but we're getting some ones that um, they put a bit of money behind, I guess is the, the better way of saying it.
1: That's very true. We haven't had a rom-com for a few weeks too as well. They normally, normally placed
0: pretty consistently in well, between the slots. We've got one the week after, I can promise you that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As usual, it's, uh, it's been good to see you. So uh, thanks for chatting. I'm glad you enjoyed this. Yeah, no, thank you for chatting. I had to talk to someone about it. Yeah, excellent. And I'll see you next week. See you then.